Hello, and welcome to the Be Filled Podcast. Together, we will explore the deepest desires of the human heart and how our Creator wants to fulfill your every longing. You do not have to grasp for satisfaction. All you need to do is open your heart to receive. Join us as we dive into St. Pope John Paul II's beautiful teaching on the theology of the body. We are so excited you're here on the journey with us. Open your hearts to be filled. Hello, and welcome to another episode of the Be Filled podcast. My name is Rochelle Parker, and once again, I'm joined by my wonderful friends, um, Katie Davis, Patty Strauss, and Sister Cecilia Ann. How are you ladies doing today? Katie, what's going on with you? Oh, I'm doing great. Um, Garden is in full bloom, but a little overwhelming as we try and end the summer and get ready for all the changes that the fall bring, but... I'm trying to take it in, trying to still love those blooms. <laughs> Yay. Very good, Miss Patty. That's wonderful. It's been an exciting summer. Our third grandson was born this year, and so we're falling in love, falling in love again and watching the siblings hang out. And now my grandma now, but it brings back the memories of, you know, being a mom and, and my vocation as mom been a great summer so far that's beautiful congratulations (laughs) sister Uh, things have been going well I recently was on our community retreat so I definitely feel (laughs) re-energized in the spirit Uh, things are going well Uh, I love summer I love it being in the sun and it reminds me of the the son of God you know that fills your heart with warmth and goodness so I am ready I'm ready uh, to welcome the students back into our schools Great. That's How awesome. about you, Michelle? How am I doing? Um, I'm good. I'm really shocked that it's the end of the summer. I'm very sad about that, actually. Um, but it's been a good summer, and we've been busy. I mentioned the puppy last time, so I guess I'll give a puppy update. He's doing really well and growing, and um, yeah, just being a puppy. It's sometimes frustrating, but he's so cute. I can't be mad at him because he's too cute. It's not fair. But anyway, but we're doing well at our house, and I'm just excited to be with you ladies and our listeners um, to just talk a little bit today more about um, our faith. And I mentioned at the last episode we were going to dive into um, our the way that we see God. Um, and you know, the theology of the body, which is the topic of this podcast, um, is really a lens for seeing um, God, ourselves, and others. Um, and, you know, whenever you have to get new glasses, what do you have to do first? You have to have an eye exam. Um, and so before we really dive into theology of the body and try on those glasses, um, we really need to look at a few things um, so that we're really prepared um, for that. So today we're going to explore just various ways um, of seeing God and relating to him. Um, and obviously this is a huge subject and we're not trying to um, cover all the aspects of that. Um, but our goal is just to present these views um, and our experience just as a way to um, encourage you to examine your own heart and your own experience and look at what you really believe. Um, because what we believe about God really does have um an impact on the way that we live our lives. 
Um, I know that for me, I definitely had an intellectual idea of who God was, um, but for a period of time really related to him in a different way than I was really taught in the church. Um, and I think that might be a common experience that people have. Um, most people actually still do believe in God. I did a little bit of um, searching and looking at research, and um, a Pew research study showed in 2022, or was it Gallup? I think it was Gallup. a Gallup poll. Yeah. Thank you, Katie. Um, that 81% of Americans believe in God. Um, now, that has dipped in the last several years. Um, and of course, the conceptions of who God is um, and how he interacts with humanity vary. Um, and there's, of course, so many different ways to see him. But I wanted to focus in on four common ways that people might see God. And this is based on a study that was done um, in 2010 um, at the Baylor University um, by a couple sociologists. And I'm just going to kind of describe briefly what those four ways of viewing God are. And then we're going to talk about those, kind of what they bring up for us and what our experience has been um, with these different views. So the first one and most common way that people see God according to this study um, is an authoritative God. So in this case, God is a guiding force for all behavior and a parent you want to please. And if you don't please God, you will be punished. Um, he's engaged in history and will punish those who don't follow him. So that's the most common. Um, the next one is benevolent God. Um, God is caring and supportive of everyone equally. And then there's critical God, um, which is God is part police officer and part Santa Claus. Um, some people will go to heaven. Some people won't. And then the last one is distant God. God is an ever-present force but doesn't tell me what to do. I'm responsible for my life. Um, kind of that clockmaker view where he just set things in motion when he created the world and then just sort of went away and not really actively involved. Um, so those are kind of the four common views that people hold about God. Um, so I just kind of want to open it up and see for you guys um, what what of those views have you kind of related to in your life? Um and we'll start there, and then later we'll talk about kind of how your views might have changed. Um, but maybe, Katie, would you like to start in sharing about that? Yeah, I think, you know, I can definitely relate to all of these, but the authoritative God is definitely the one I feel like that was most prevalent um, in my life. I'm just a rule follower, and just give me the set of rules and I will follow them whether it kills me or not. And I think that um, I always try to, you know, quote, do the right thing. And as long as I knew what the rules were, I didn't need to know why. And so that was a really easy way to um, grow up as long as nothing bad happened. <laughs> and so, yeah, obviously that had to change, um, but that was definitely mine. Thank you. I, I feel very similarly that um, the authoritative God, the God that guides us, and um, I'll talk more later about it, but really 
learning what it means to receive grace from our Lord and to be very close to him has really shaped that. So when I look at these definitions now, I recognize that times in my life where I could relate even when I did something naughty and I would think, oh, I'm, you know, now I'm going to be punished. I remember those thoughts, but I, and I can still jump to those really quickly if if something goes awry, but I've been practicing really trying to see our Lord as a loving father and that's been good thank you okay well I guess I would uh, echo a little bit what Patty said I definitely have always seen God as you know that benevolent God a loving God and and then yet when I look back I think I've probably viewed God as all of these at some point or another, um, you know, when things didn't go my way and then I felt like, you know, maybe God was punishing me or or I looked at things that were so much rules and whatnot. But I think really over my life, I've seen God as a loving God. And to be honest, I, I credit that a lot with um, people's first view of God is through their parents. So how they view their parents is quite often how they view God. And for me, that was very true. I could see very God very easily as a loving God, as a nurturing God, because my parents were. You know, I was the ninth of eleven children, and so by that time, you know, my parents did have to correct us a lot because we had all these older siblings who, you know, they would laugh, "Mom, Dad, nobody yelled at you." Well, they didn't have to because all these older siblings corrected you. So hopefully, it was easier for Mom and Dad, and they could, you know, share more of the, you know, just the the goodness of, of everything. So yes, I would say definitely for me, God was that benevolent God. How about you, Rochelle? Um, yeah, I mean, I can connect um, with a lot of what you guys shared. And um, I would say the authoritative God is really the God that I related to. Like I said earlier, there was this intellectual knowledge, um, you know, from Scripture and what my parents taught me in Sunday school and all of that, um, you know, that God was loving and kind and merciful and, and all of those things. Um, but that's just not the way that I related to him. Um, I really felt like I needed to perform well. I think I was a performer kind of person wanting to please everyone. And, um, and so as I got older and, you know, frankly, sin came into my life and I was struggling with a lot of things and I didn't feel like God really wanted anything to do with me in those times, you know, and I really wanted to pray and I wanted to have that consistent relationship with him. But, um, when I was struggling, I just avoided praying. Um, and that was actually very frustrating to me because I wanted, and I knew I needed to have that constant connection, um, with him. So, um, but I, I, I think what happened, and of course I wasn't aware of this at the time, but looking back, I think that I was just projecting my own feelings of shame and disappointment I had in myself, not being who I wanted to be, um, that I was projecting that, you know, onto God and imagining that he felt the same way about me. Um, and so when I messed up, he must be just like, oh, I don't want anything to do with you and turning away from me. Um, and so that's the way that I saw him in the way that I felt. Um, and I didn't know at that point how to pray with struggles, um, or that God even wanted to listen to me talk about that I was struggling. Um, so of course we're going to talk about like how our views, um, changed over time and kind of what led to those, um, to those changes. But certainly God, you know, looking back, I'm like, he, 
has just always been very gently and tenderly and patiently <laughs> pursuing me. Um, but I had to learn kind of the hard way <laughs> who he really is. And he allowed that to happen. So, um, I'm so grateful, you know, for that actually. So, um, so for you ladies, um, how has your view changed over time as you have um, grown in your faith and, and matured? Uh, what what kind of ways has God worked in your life that have changed your view of Him? Katie, would you like to start? Yeah, I, I kind of alluded to this before, but I think that for a lot of my life, you know, I followed the rules and things seemed to go great. And it wasn't until... I felt like I was following all the rules and things didn't go great that I started looking up and going, excuse me, I don't think I'm supposed to be getting punished right now, God. Remember the deal we had? And um, ironically, I was reading Job as part of Bible in the Year at the same time this was happening. And like all Job's friends were like, come on, Job, just admit what you did and this will all be taken away from you. And I kind of felt like Job. I was like, no, I promise I did the right things. I don't know why this is happening to me. And so I, you know, spent a lot of time in prayer. And, you know, what the, the most beautiful thing I think that he does is when we are empty, he pours into us. And I don't think I would have had this experience if I wouldn't have been empty and on my knees and asking, you know, um, God to reveal himself. And um, it was one day in prayer, I was just basically saying the prayers of Job and saying, you know, why is this happening to me? What are you doing? And um, Jesus came to me um, and it was the crucified Jesus. And he had blood and sweat dripping from his face. And he was walking toward me and he had a whip in his hand. And I automatically thought, oh no, he has the whip. He's going to use it on me to punish me. It was that authoritative view of, of Jesus that, that I had. And he got really close to me. And I, I couldn't even look at him. I was cowering down, and he showed me the whip. And he said, I took these lashes for you. And then I get emotional at this part every time I try and tell this story. But he gave me the most beautiful, overwhelming sense of love that I've ever felt in my entire life. And I'm convinced to this day that that is what we will feel for eternity in heaven. And I got maybe five seconds of it. And I can still tap into that five seconds every time I need to. And it completely changed that authoritative view of God. And it made me no longer want to follow the rules to not get in trouble or not get punished. It made me want to live the way he designed me to live so that I can feel that love time and time again. Beautiful. Thank, you. Thank, Thank you so, so much for sharing. It impacted me. I'm just mm -hmm. proud I could get through it without <laughs> stopping to cry too much. You did a great job. <laughs> <laughs> Absolutely. <laughs> 
Maddie, do you want to share? I, I too um, can echo that where I really just wanted to follow our Lord. I was called a, a Pollyanna. I would just Aww. see the world just with rose-colored glasses. and But then as I um, had my fourth child, we, we entered into, I, I was like, Lord, I, I wouldn't have written a script like this. Suddenly we were having a lot of difficulties that were unforeseen and where did they come from and it, it too allowed me to drop on my knees and I felt I was just praying constantly and and just being so numb that I, I couldn't hardly think but I felt clinging clinging to our Lord and and it, as time went on I, I recognized in um, more studies I I saw the value of individual souls it opened up so much within me but I was still confused I it was so intense and and um, and so powerful, but but when I look back on it, I do recognize that our Lord's promise was there. That something that was so hard, He was He was stretching me, He was stretching our family, and we've never been the same. We can look back on this really painful, difficult time, but realize that our Lord was there, even in our confusing confusing confusion and our loss he was there but it almost took me looking back to recognize and to see the value of what we've gained from going through that and so that's really encouraged my ongoing maturing as a Christian that I may not know what this is or what the outcome is going to be but I've learned that he was faithful and he stretched us and I definitely wouldn't have written the script that way (laughs) and he had a different plan so it's that reality in my life that recognize that I recognize too. He wasn't just this my idea of God. He's a real and personal God, and that showed me that. So. Wonderful. <laughs> yes. Well, I guess um, I would just kind of build on what I said before. I always saw God as a loving God. Yeah. So that part was easy. And yet, as I got older, I realized that I saw God as a loving God. But kind of like Katie said, as long as I followed the rules, you know, and I, and I thought, thought I was basically a good kid. I, I didn't, um, but it was when I did things, you know, and honestly, it wasn't like I did huge, terrible things, but there were things that I fell short, or I know I disappointed my parents. And then I, I had a harder time understanding that God could love me then. You know, those yeah. kind of times were hard to understand, like, could he really love me and everything? And I think uh, probably when I was growing up, um, and actually it happened multiple times, not a lot, but numerous times throughout the, my various ages when I was a little kid, probably in about fourth grade, and all the way to when I was writing the convent, something would happen, you know, that um, maybe I got disappointed, or uh, in this case, like my dad said something that hurt my feelings or something, and he apologized. Now, I don't know that he always realized that he, you know, they hurt my feelings. I'm sure mom told him, you know. But my dad, even when I was a little kid, he said something, and he was just teasing mom. But it was, I needed new shoes. And and he was teasing mom, oh, you just like to spend money. But I knew the money had to be spent for me, and I felt bad. And he was just teasing her, you know. And, um, and so I had run outside and hid in the orchard tree. And... My dad came out to the orchard tree, and he said, um, my nickname is Sissy, and he said, Sissy, Dad was just teasing Mom. If you needed a thousand pairs of shoes, I would buy you a thousand pairs of shoes. And so different times throughout my life, uh, my dad would apologize. And for me, it was such a moving thing because I thought, that's how God is. No matter what we do, 
whether we've done something really wrong or we've just done something that we think maybe was less, you know, uh, encouraging to God. He's always forgiving us. And it's not like he's uh, some, you know, giant master, you know, you know, like we're not worth, you know, accepting back or something. My dad always made me feel that he loved me no matter what. And he humbled himself to apologize to me. You know, just a little kid, and and that that was something special. So God de- definitely um, showed His mercy in a way I could understand through my dad. Hmm. So, so please kind of excuse me while I go home and apologize <laughs> to my children. <laughs> oh my goodness, sister, thank you, and Katie and Patty, and now I'm crying, <laughs> so I don't know if I can even speak right now, but. I mean, I hear this these themes that I connect to so deeply, like, and I think this is common human experience of, like, am I lovable? Mm-hmm. <laughs> like, yeah. is that even possible that he loves us and that, <laughs> yeah, sorry, um, <laughs> this is just going to happen, people, sorry, yeah. but that, like, yes, he is <laughs> madly in love with every single person, and the, you're talking about the shoes. I'm going to remember that. Like, that he doesn't withhold anything. Right. And this, you know, the thing is, we do have an enemy. And his he's like a one-trick pony, the devil. And all he has to do is to convince us that God's holding out on us or we're not lovable. And if he can do that, then he feels like he's got a victory. And, I mean, that definitely is part of my story, and I feel like that's, no matter what you've struggled with in your life, like, I think we all have this deep, obviously, desire to be seen, known, and loved, and also deep insecurity that we're not enough. Um, I've been, like, so reflecting on my experience and thinking about what has drawn me closer to God. And I was thinking about my childhood. I'm a child of the 80s. (laughs) And I grew up just loving love. (laughs) Like, watching cheesy 80s movies and listening to Chicago and Air Supply. And, you know, like... And sorry, mom, but my mom loved Barry Manilow. <laughs> and so I remember sitting with her and we had a record player and listening to Barry Manilow's greatest hits. And I'd be crying about just the beauty and like the love. And I mean, you guys, it's embarrassing. I spent so much time in my room listening to music and crying over boys. I mean, that was really my childhood. I could tell you every crush I had from kindergarten on, there was always somebody that I thought it would be amazing if that person would notice me, right? Mm. Um, And I related so much to those 80s movies where like the super dorky girl that was like invisible had a huge crush on the cute boy. Yes. They and remade he, that movie like 10 yeah, times. Yeah, I never saw it. I still love it. And I know, and I watched all of them, I'm sure. And But she got the guy, you know? And so, like, for me, like, I, I grew up taking this all in and had such a deep desire for that to be my story, you know? Like, the dorky girl gets the cool guy. And, um... But really, and of course, I didn't know it then, but like that really became an idol for me, like chasing after 
that attention and I didn't really get it <laughs> until I didn't get the attention until like later in high school and then in college I started kind of getting the attention of these guys I thought were really cool and good looking or whatever um, and so I was really trying to fill this desire and longing that I had in my heart um, with with that attention uh, of course, now I know I was looking for God, right? Like I was looking for that ultimate fulfillment um, because in the end, I was miserable. <laughs> um, even if I got the attention I thought would fix it, I still felt really unfulfilled. And I, you know, I tried to make things go my way and manipulate situations. And, um, and I hurt other people and obviously myself and living like that. And so God in his mercy, you know, he gives us free will and we can live how we want to live. And I did, but I just kind of hit bottom and, and was just really not happy. And he allowed me, I believe looking back that he allowed me to actually get really sick, like physically sick. Um, it kind of reminds me of St. Ignatius <laughs> of Loyola who like got this horrible injury and he had to just be by himself. Mm -hmm. Um, and that's what happened to me. I, I was very sick. It was contagious. I couldn't go to work. I couldn't be with anyone wow. <laughs> and it made me come face to face with myself. Um, and with that ache within me, and there was just no way for me to fill it in that time. Um, and so I don't know if I was doing some kind of Bible study in particular, or if I just like randomly opened the Bible, I don't know what happened, but I discovered this passage from the book of Hosea. Um, and in the book of Hosea, it's kind of this great analogy of, um, the people of God are, um, represented by this unfaithful woman. Um, and the woman's chasing after all these lovers. Um, and, and God's response to that after, you know, he allows that to be for a while. And then he makes it impossible for her to continue doing that. Like he, in different ways, he kind of blocks her from being able to do that. Um, it, was he just trying to like, make her not have any fun <laughs> anymore <laughs> like was he trying to ruin her life no i mean it says like he was trying to turn her back mm. um to himself and he pursues her um but it's very painful right. you know for her at first um but the passage says i will allure her and bring her into the wilderness and speak tenderly to her and i felt like i'm in the wilderness <laughs> right now you know um and it goes on to say and in that day you will call me my husband and this is the first time i think i ever had run across that or like paid attention to it in scripture this idea of god as our spouse like as the lover right yeah, that's um, just for the religious right? yeah, just for the religious. <laughs> yeah. Well, in a particular way <laughs> yes um, but then he goes on to say and I will betroth you to me forever I will betroth you to me in righteousness and in justice in steadfast love and in mercy I will betroth you to me in faithfulness and you shall know the Lord so I'm reading all this just like just a mess crying and like I just knew like he he led me to this space he allowed this to happen so that he could let me know um that he's the one I'm looking for you know and I will not I knew 
I'm not going to be happy if I keep going down this path that I've been going down. I'm never going to be satisfied until I let him just have me, <laughs> you know? Oh, okay. No, crying again. <laughs> um, anyway, sorry I'm kind of going on. But um, so there's a lot that happened after that. God led me to a lot of other people that were kind of struggling with similar things. And I learned how to actually pray, like honestly, <laughs> with all of my thoughts, feelings, and all my desires. Um, I never knew how to do that before. Um, so not just the thoughts that I thought were acceptable to him, but like all of them. Um, and I mean, that is, that is the relationships he wants with every single person. There is nothing you could ever say to him or struggle with that's going to make him run away screaming. Yeah. <laughs> and he won't ever happen. Um, he's completely committed to every single person. Um, and so, and in that, when I could start learning how to like pray with my weakness, there was freedom, you know, cause he would just meet me in that, in that space. So this theme of the spousal analogy of our God as our lover, that is a huge piece of theology of the body, which I think is why, I mean, I feel like God prepared me for that for a really long time. Yeah. And, um, you know, love is the best motivator. I think for change, you know, rather than just like a bunch of rules, yeah. <laughs> I don't respond super well <laughs> to that. Like that makes me want to just do something else, like <laughs> rebel against it. But anyway, so yeah, sorry, that was super long. I <laughs> kind of went good. forever, yeah, but for <laughs> I didn't need to take over that whole thing. Anyways, um, so any other reflections that came up for you guys? in that I really appreciate everyone being very vulnerable and I, I've learned a lot it's it's been very special to hear how God works individually right. with each one of us in such a very personal way wherever yeah. we're at <laughs> and in our suffering I think that's what we have to keep reminding ourselves is that suffering is not a punishment and not to run away from suffering, but just fall to our knees in suffering. And Sister Josephine was at Steubenville, and she was talking about Christ's five wounds. And she said, I want you to just pick a wound. I want you to place yourself in it. And then she goes, and then I dare you to refuge in it. And I was just so blown away because it's like he doesn't want us in our wound, in his wounds so we can be as miserable as he is or so we can suffer. He wants us in his wounds so that he can hold us and, and show us his love there. And uh, she was so, so succinct in, in saying that the wound should be our refuge. The wound isn't something to avoid. And I mean, that was really apparent in your story. So thank you for bringing it to life for us. <laughs> oh, well, yeah, I mean, it's God's story. It's amazing. But I love that. That's such a beautiful image. And I, I've been hearing that a lot from the Lord, too. Like, just be with him in that in that suffering because he will console us there yes. and give us the the power <laughs> to move to move forward so that's really any other thoughts from you guys so the reason i 
And we're way, we're kind of over time. Sorry about that. Um, so the reason I wanted to dive into this topic um, is because I, and this is something that I've been thinking about, like why, why do so many of us not want to accept what the church's teaching is on certain topics? Um, you know, why, why do we have a tendency to sort of like rebel or reject um, these things? And I took a course on Catholic Catholic sexual ethics um, earlier in the year, and um, the the priest who taught it—he's a moral theologian and just amazing. But the way he started the whole thing before he got into any um, specific church church teaching um, is he started talking about just the way that we view God um, has such a huge impact on the way we see morality, um, whether we see it as based on rules and obligation or whether we see it as um, for our good and for um, our happiness. And so he kind of got into that. So I think this is just so important to really reflect on like, how, what do I really think about God? Like, do I see him as just this lawgiver and judge and he's just kind of just irritated with me all the time. <laughs> like, is he tolerating me? Like, if we see him in that way, um, we may be more um, inclined to um, maybe resist um, some of the things that um, that he might ask of us. But if we see him as a God who is in love with us, um, then we can see the boundaries he's given us in a different way. So I think it's really important to examine that. And so the next episode, we're going to look at human freedom and the meaning of human freedom and what is that really? Um, and kind of look at a couple different views of that. As I mentioned, a morality that's based on obligation versus morality that's based on freedom to be your best to be your best self and to truly be happy so we're going to like look at that a little bit next time um is there anything else that you guys wanted to share before we before we go on any resources or things that are really um helping you right now in your in your journey I do really appreciate what you said when you said let's look at what we do think take a moment mm -hmm. to just to meditate on our Lord, on his wounds, on his passion, and recognize his love, but then to really sit with where we are truly and really. When I heard all of your stories, it was really that introspection that led to the next falling in love. Thank yeah, you. Great. That's beautiful. Um, I was going to mention one resource if you, um, I promise we're going to really get into Theology of the Body, but there is an awesome resource um, through the Theology of the Body Institute. Um, you can become a patron for like $10 a month, and there are so many resources there if you're interested in just kind of diving in and, and seeing what's out there. I wanted to mention that. Um, and I hope that maybe each episode we can bring um, some sort of uh, resource or something that's really helping us on the journey um, that you might be interested in, too. So um, thank you so much for listening. And um, we are praying for you and um, would love if you would also pray for us. God bless. Thank you so much for listening to the Be Filled podcast. 
If you have questions or comments for us, we would love to hear from you. Our email address is bfilledpodcast at gmail.com. You can also find us on social media. We are on Facebook and Instagram. There you can find additional encouragement for your week. Also, be sure to check out our show notes for links to resources we discuss in the show, as well as questions for deeper reflection. Until the next episode, God bless.